Welcome to the Life Over Coffee podcast, conversations for transformation. Hello, everyone. My name is Rick Thomas. Thank you so much for joining me. Our tagline is that we uh, create conversations for transformation, and I trust what I'm going to present to you here will be exactly that, that it will stir up conversations that will lead to transformation. I have titled this, A Girl Kissing a Boy is Different from a Boy Kissing a Girl. It's kind of a whimsical title, and as I was writing it and thinking about the titling of it, As I was going through the script, it was getting more serious and more serious as I went along. And so I didn't change the title. It is somewhat whimsical, but this is a super serious discussion. I hope that this will be a conversation that will spark transformation. I realize for some families in the shape that they are in that the parents cannot have these conversations uh, with their teenage children and young adults, but I do pray that there will be uh, some parental and children conversations. I pray that there will be teenagers and young adults that will stumble upon uh, this content here and, and maybe read, watch, or listen to it and let it be a warning. And by the way, if you are one of those people that has just stumbled onto the video or the podcast or or you're reading the article, please take this seriously from an old man who has made a lot of mistakes in his life. And, and not only that, but I have counseled hundreds upon hundreds of people that have fallen into this ditch that I'm going to uh, share with you. But more importantly, maybe... I've experienced the hope and the transformation that we uh, have in Christ, and I've seen that acted out in so many lives as they have arrested themselves and and begin to go in another direction, what we call repentance. And so I trust that it is a whimsical title, uh, but it is a serious conversation, and I do hope that God will use this uh, to help, especially young couples who are in dating relationships, because where you began in your dating relationship will have a lot to do, not just with the journey that you will be on, uh, but it will have a lot to do with the outcome. It's like two ships in a harbor, and if you're just a a degree off, you you don't appear to be, it doesn't appear to be that there's anything wrong, Uh, but as they get to their destinations, they're going to be a million miles apart, and it's not going to end up the way that they had hoped. And so how we start and where we begin is essential, and so I trust what I'm about to share with you uh, will will help, and and just maybe some people will stumble upon it. Maybe some parents will be able to take the lead and have uh, these mature conversations uh, with their children. And so I titled it, A Girl Kissing a Boy is Different from a Boy kissing a girl because here it comes a shocker for our culture today boys and girls are different now I know that you cannot say that aloud because our culture might uh, might cancel you but it's true and when it comes to the act of love in reciprocal relationships The different ways that they respond to each other are fully displayed. 
I mean, you cannot hide it. God made Adam a unique male, a man. And God made Eve a unique, different female a woman. Now, this news is not news for the believer, but knowing the differences between a man and a woman, a male and a female, is absolutely vital, especially when a boy meets a girl. Understanding how the genders react to love provides wisdom while potentially saving a couple from a whole lot of disappointment. And so this this is a conversation that needs to be appropriate, but it also needs to be candid. And so I'm going to try to be as appropriate and as candid as I can be, hoping that just one dating couple will somehow collect this information and peruse it, and maybe it would affect them. A man is not affected by love the same way that a woman is. The typical guy, well, he takes a more physical approach to love. It, it is the way that, that we are, while an ordinary girl has more of an emotional approach to love and, and romance and the relationship. And it doesn't make either one of them wrong. Uh, Guys should not make fun of girls because they have a different perspective and, and a different expectation when it comes to relationship. But girls should not be mocking boys as though boys are wrong too. They're different. They are not the same. And we need to talk about these differences. And so because a boy takes a more physicality approach, it doesn't make him wrong. It makes him normal. And because a girl takes, often, generally speaking, a more emotional approach, it makes her normal too. When a boy meets a girl, it is more of a physical encounter than an emotional moment. It is natural for his mind to move towards sexual arousal. While she may be, may be more inclined to entertain romantical thoughts and expectations. And these differences is why a boy kissing a girl can excite his hormones, which can tempt him to fast track to more dynamic and steamier physical interplay. While kissing can just as easily lead to physical interaction with a girl, it is initially about emotional engagement, relational harmony, and a sense of belonging. And though they both will experience these natural longings, It would be exceptional if either one of them could fully articulate what is happening inside of them. For those of you who are older like me and and married, been married for a while, maybe it would be hard to go back, to, to roll the tape back to your teenage years and remember that youthful love that you had and the ignorance that came along with it. We were very immature And a boy meets girl, girl meets boy, and we can't fully articulate. We're probably not even thinking about these internal dynamics. We are more motivated by what we are experiencing on this external uh, layer of our lives. It is rare for a young couple to be that in tune 
with these intricate with these intricate dynamics of relational desires and hormonal cravings and that is a compelling reason that we have to have these candid conversations and biblical leadership from me parents you parents of these young adults who are looking for love in a lasting relationship a good time to self assess and not to be punitive or uh, to, to cause any unnecessary friction, but it, it would be good to ask a couple of questions here, parents. How are you doing at walking your child through the realities of dating, kissing, touching, and sex, assuming that it is the appropriate time and season for that to happen? How are you preparing your children by helping them to guard their hearts? Who are you calling on to guide you through these sensitive discussions? It's not wrong to seek help. By the way, the answer to the question, when do you have the sex talk with your child? The answer to that question is uh, the day that they are born. And what I mean by that is the sex talk, before you ever get to the sex talk, when they're 10, 11, 12, 13 years of age, before you ever get there, they have already determined what a relationship is like between a man and a woman by how their parents engage each other in the home. They are seeing the living reality of a male-female relationship acted out 24-7 for over a decade. And by the time they get to the point of the sex talk, there's a long trail that has led into that that has given them a worldview of how to treat a woman or how to treat a man. And so the precursor to the sex talk is the lifestyle that is modeled before the children, before you ever have the sex talk. And so it is important right from the beginning when these kids are babies, that they see mature biblical love acted out before them, the way that the parents talk to each other, hug each other, have fun with each other, serve each other, love one another. Most girls want to be married, and they want their guy to romance them. It's a girl thing. And again, this is normal. I'm not saying that like it's an anomaly or that it's abnormal. God has pre-wired them to desire the pursuit of a man, hoping that they will notice and love them. I mean, the, the, the uh, sinful aspects of this that we see in our culture today is is girls dressing up to draw the gaze of a man to draw the attraction of a man but what they're saying is that I mean what they're admitting unwittingly is that God has provided uh, pre-wired them uh, to be desired to be pursued by a man hoping to be noticed hoping to be loved and knowing that these internal desires are inside of them that's why it's essential for parents to come along and guard their hearts and to help them to think clearly and biblically about what is going on in them and why they desire these things from the opposite sex there is a reason prince charming has become a metaphor for the pursuer and cinderella hopes and prays the shoe will fit a girl should not feel odd at all because she desires the love of a guy. If her wiring tempted her, and, and maybe you could think about it in the adverse way, 
If her wiring tempted her to respond repulsively at the thought of a man, then marriage would be a problem. And procreation would never happen. Now, perhaps when she was a little girl, she said something like, boys, yuck. But that day has passed. Dad, she is not your little girl any longer. God made her to long for companionship. And it's our job as parents to be intentional by predetermining that we will serve our girls by guarding their hearts so that they so that love is not unleashed too soon. The unguarded heart is one of the biggest dangers in dating. Most young people will not have the discernment to keep themselves from crossing the line with the opposite sex. It's analogous to giving a 10-year-old the keys to the car. Don't expect him to get it right. He will crash your car more than likely. And a young 20-something could never comprehend the intricate depths and contours of love and the accompanying temptations that come with it. Paul said it this way in 2 Timothy 2.2. This is an easy passage to remember. It's just 2-2-2-2. 2 Timothy chapter 2, verse 22. He said, so flee youthful passions. But then he says to pursue righteousness, faith, love, peace, along with those who call on the Lord from a pure heart. There's five things there that we pursue righteousness, faith, love, peace, and of course, there is a pure heart. That is 2 Timothy 2.22. I have counseled scores, and, and that is a, that, that's a low-end uh, number, of 40-year-olds who have still not figured out what love is about, the giving and receiving of mature love, and how to do it biblically. The Apostle Paul appealed to us to refrain from hastily and unwittingly encouraging or expecting our children to enter into their relationships where they do unleash inner longings too early. This is one of the reasons that you don't want to give your children devices too soon because that creates a portal. Uh, for them to see virtually anything in the world. And so, Dad, it's not just about talking to your girls about what they ought not to be doing, but it also gives them a vision regarding what they need to do. And what they need to do, Paul laid out. Uh, We want to create a vision for pursuing righteousness, faith, love, peace, from a pure heart. So it's not just refraining that we run away from, but we want them to run to something else. Do you think a dating relationship helps them flee youthful lust while enabling them to pursue righteousness, faith, love, peace from a pure heart? It's a good question to ask. I mean, does it, will this dating relationship that they, that they are in or they're thinking about going in, will it help them to flee youthful lust and to pursue righteousness, faith, love, and peace from a pure heart? Another question, how are you providing love for her and protecting her from lust? Uh, 
Uh, one of the things that you see with a lot of girls who are longing for love in almost a unrelenting and insatiable way when they become teenagers is because there's a deficit of love in their hearts because they have not experienced that love from their dads specifically. And so the question is, how are you providing love for her while protecting her from lust? If we are loving our girls well, it will help satiate that desire as she becomes older and begins uh, looking uh, for that Prince Charming. Now, I'm not suggesting that dating is wrong when I asked the earlier question. The question was, do you think a dating relationship helps them to flee youthful lust while enabling them to pursue righteousness, faith, hope, love, peace from a pure heart? I'm not suggesting that dating is wrong. That's, that's not the point. Whether it's right to date is not the issue that I'm engaging now. But, but what I'm talking about is discernment, wisdom regarding the best situation for our daughters. That is what is at stake as we factor in their maturity and the kind of person that is best for them. Of course, guys have a huge responsibility when they enter a relationship, not just the girls and not just the dad's responsibility to guide the girls, the boys too. They need to think seriously and soberly about a dating relationship because if that girl likes that boy, she'll have a hard time resisting him. And if he crosses the line with her, more than likely... She will follow him. God made her in such a way to fall in love. And I'm putting that in air quotes, and I'm not saying that in a, a, a cheeky or uh, in an irresponsible way. I'm saying it in a, a biblical way. God made her to want love, to desire to be loved by a man. Her willingness to be vulnerable to a guy is not a weakness, but it is a means, it is a vehicle that leads to something beautiful. A desire to want somebody to love you is the beginning of what should be a beautiful relationship. Again, as I was saying earlier, if she did not desire this, if she was repulsed, if she took that little girl's mantra and carried it all of her life, boys, yuck! If that's the way she thought all of her life, there would be something wrong with her. And so her willingness to be vulnerable to a guy is not a weakness at all. That's framing it the wrong way. But it is a means, a vehicle that leads to something beautiful, eventually a marriage that resembles Christ and the church. But that beauty, that beautiful picture is rendered ugly if either partner, the boy or the girl, is irresponsible, which is why dating is a leadership issue as much as anything else. In fact, you could say that the word dating is a synonym for leadership. And so, boyfriend, if you have stumbled upon this, this article, this podcast, this video, how are you going to lead your girlfriend? Will it be to satisfy your hormonal, hormonal cravings? Or is your leadership going to look like putting Christ and his church on display through your relationship? Or maybe if you take 2 Timothy 
22, are you leading her toward righteousness, faith, love, and peace? Those actually are good goals. If, if a boy were to ask, you know, how should I lead her, then all your decisions should lead her toward righteousness and faith and love and peace. And, and if these elements begin to take form and shape in her heart and begin to mature, then you are leading her very well. And by the way, that applies to us in marriage as well. My leadership of my wife should lead her down paths of righteousness. As she follows me as I follow Christ, it should increase her faith, mature her love, and, and reduce the soul noise that she carries inside of her. It should give her shalom of the soul. It should give her peace again second timothy 2:22 and so dating is a leadership issue and dating is also a stewardship issue a guy's leadership in and stewardship of the dating relationship will significantly impact how it goes now and in the future now of course if she continues to follow his poor leadership she's responsible for that if she does not pump the brakes on a relationship heading toward biblical boundary crossing, then, well, she will not be held guiltless. You cannot diminish her culpability for a relationship that has gone too far if she chooses not to say no. She's not a victim. She's an active participant. But for now, for now, the main issue that I want to focus on is the role of the guy and what God has called him to be, which is a biblical leader who is responsible for stewarding a romantic relationship because, as the title of this suggests, a boy kissing a girl is different from a girl kissing a boy, and he has to understand that. And so if a man will crawl over the Word of God to satisfy his lust-filled cravings, well, then you're getting a peek into his leadership style, his leadership abilities, and his leadership objectives in that relationship. He is also showing you his character as he leads. And though the girl may may feel lost in the moment of romantical love, of her, of her love desires, and her hidden heart cravings may feel satisfied. If she does not make a course correction, she will be set up for years, decades of marital heartache. And there's a lot of women that will be listening to this, and they will say, it's true. It is true. Say it louder, Rick. It is true. If she doesn't pump the brakes, if she doesn't get off the train, Typically, premarital sex and how it distorts relationships, they do not cross a young adult's mind. Their preoccupation is in the moment and what's going on in the moment, not the future consequences, and that's the way virtually all sin is. I could not fully understand the complexity of premarital sex before I became a 40-something-year-old, after I began helping people untangle their miserable marriages, the impact of sex during the dating years, it became more evident to me. In fact, I wrote an article. I was just talking to a pastor friend of mine 
yesterday, Mike, and he said the, the, the article that he refers, that he gives out on our website more than any other is an article titled, Sex Before Marriage Leads to a Trail of Tears. And I wrote that article based on what I'm saying here. After I became a 40-something-year-old and entered into a a full-blown counseling ministry, I began to understand the impact of sex during the dating years. It became so evident to me. Most of the complicated marriages that I have counseled began the same way that I am warning about right now. They were just harmlessly dating, having fun, enjoying foreplay, and maybe having intercourse. And some of them would say, hey, everybody's doing it. What's the problem, you old stick in the mud? That's myopic. They cannot see afar off. The problem is that sex is a leadership issue and is a stewardship issue. And if you begin leading wrong and stewarding wrong, then you are the two ships in the harbor that's a degree off. And that same leadership problem, stewardship malady, it is going to be exponential when you get miles and miles and miles from that harbor. It may be fun for the immature but it is holy to God. And though we can take any of God's good gifts, twist them back and run them through our self-rationalizations to soothe our conscience, to bring down that soul noise so that we can be okay with what we're doing and not have to hear the blaring of our inner voice by our twisted rationalizations, it still does not alter the integrity of God's Word. We can change our conscience, but we're not going to change God's truth. Not one iota. I mean, I can say the 8 o'clock train will not come, will not come, will not come, will not come all the live long day. I can say it like a yoga mantra. And maybe if I say it enough times, I can convince myself that the 8 o'clock train will not come. Believe what you want. But I appeal to you not to stand on the railroad tracks at 8 o'clock. We can convince ourselves that sex is not a serious matter, all we want to. But we will not change God's truth. Sex is a solemn and holy concept. And I'm not just talking about intercourse. I'm talking about the entire romantic road that leads to sex. Unless the girl is a serial sex addict. Now, that is a possibility in our culture today. I I understand that. But she will not just jump into bed with any guy. Sex begins at hello for a girl, as I learned from the movie Jerry Maguire. I'm not recommending the movie, but... I remember that part of the movie. I have movie amnesia, and so I can't remember movies. That's a good thing, by the way. When I go to the store and get a movie, or back in the days when we did that before streaming, I learned to call home and say, hey, here's a good movie. Dad, we've seen that three times. (laughs) But I remember that quote. You had me at hello. Sex begins at hello, according to Jerry Maguire. You see, Jerry and Dorothy had a fallen out. And the night that they reconciled, Jerry began his reconciliation speech. And and Dorothy 
tearfully interrupted him by saying, Shut up! Just shut up! You had me at hello! Then they kissed and they made up. Dorothy is normal. Dorothy is representative of most girls who allow their God-giving wiring to function rightly. They are ready, they are willing, they are able to experience love right from the first hello. And so the onus is on the guy to lead well from the hello to the altar and into marital harmony with gospel-motivated love being the one constant from the beginning of the relationship until the end. But I could hear someone saying, and this is a legitimate thing, a legitimate question, someone saying now as they listen to this, we messed up. What do we do? And that is a fair question, and it's also a, a humble one, because there are two types of people that mess up by, by engaging in some form of sex before marriage. Those who are married and those who are not. The best case scenario for unmarried couples who mess up is for them to talk to each other about what they have done and begin a process of repenting to God and to each other. Then they should let somebody else know what they have done because they have proven, and I'm not saying this in a harsh way, but they have proven a lack of trustworthiness with each other. I mean, what they've done should prove that they can't trust each other. And in this light, that's not a negative. That is actually a revelation that you really want to grab hold to. We can't trust each other. So they want to pursue God's community for help humbly. They have violated God's imper imperatives to stay pure, 2 Timothy 2.2, that was one other thing, from a pure heart. Just imagine if they change. They're humble, they're willing to submit to God. In that case, they will not only have a healthy self-suspicion of themselves, about themselves, in a very healthy way, but they they also recognize in what they're capable of doing, and so they seek godly care and accountability. And so they want to begin a process of repenting and then a process of bringing in a community to help them, to stabilize them, and to keep them moving in the right direction. The act, the, the act of sexual activity before marriage is exhibit A, that trust is in jeopardy. Now, if they deny this, their initial foolishness of sexual activity, it will multiply by future folly. And so the first people they should talk to are their respective dads and moms. But I, I understand that with the state of too many families to sit down and have a biblically mature conversation is not remotely fathomable for some of these families, regrettably. But in those cases, then I recommend that their pastor or another primary spiritual leader, and the guy must lead. But if the guy does not lead for this young unmarried couple that has messed up, if he doesn't lead, then the girlfriend has to take the lead. 
So she does not incarcerate herself in a relationship by marrying a guy who will have sexual activity while continuing to fail in his leadership as evidenced by not humbly leading her through active repentance. And if he won't do that, then run. Run from him. So that's the unmarried saying, we messed up. What do we do? Now to the married. Well, for both of them, I would ask you to read Proverbs 6, 27 and 28. The text says, can a man carry fire next to his chest and his clothes not be burned? Or can one walk on hot coals and his feet not be scorched? There is a danger here, and we need to have these candid conversations. And so if you're married and you messed up in your dating relationship, I recommend that the husband lead his wife through a discussion about their sexual activity while they were dating. It would not be wise, it would not be redemptive to gloss over what happened. You're painting over a stain, and it is still there, and and you will see it again and again, and, and it will be multiplied out in other leadership failures. You need to nip it right at the bud. You need to deal with it. That faulty leadership that began so many years ago will continue to grow exponentially. And so you want to take it out at its root. You do not want to ignore what happened in the dating relationship. It was a failure in leadership then, and it would be another failed leadership opportunity if he does not lead his wife through it now. And so the husband needs to repent to his wife humbly. He needs to let her feel and experience his contrite heart. Perhaps Psalm 51, uh, verse 17, that, that God doesn't want our sacrifices. The sacrifice of God is a contrite heart, and may she feel that from him. He also needs to walk her through the guilt and shame of what she did. She was an active participant. It wasn't a one-way street. Now, if your husband does not walk you through these things, very similar to the boyfriend who will not walk his girlfriend through these things and and exercise the leadership that he should, well, then he's still choosing to lead poorly. And so I recommend that you find help so that your conscience can be clear, your heart can be cleansed, and you find release from what you did when you were young and foolish. Don't assume that you can ignore sin It will always seek revenge on you if it's not confessed and forgiven. It will come out again and again in different places. Additionally, you need help walking through any bitterness or anger that you may be carrying in your heart because he failed in leadership back then. And if he's not leading you now, that bitterness and anger will continue to fester inside of you. And uh, it can really do damage to your soul. And so you must remove these hindrances from your marriage relationship as much as depends on you. You can only go so far, wife. If he's not leading, you can only go so far. But you don't want to be incarcerated, regardless of what he does. You don't want to be held captive by bitterness or anger or unforgiveness. And so you want to seek help from uh, your part as much as depends on you. I titled this, A Girl Kissing a Boy is Different from a Boy Kissing a Girl. A whimsical title, but a super serious discussion. A few questions for the guy. Guy, this is for you. 
To what degree and how have you struggled with lust or porn? We all do. And that there needs to be a conversation, not necessarily with your girlfriend, but you need to be talking to a mentor. Timothy, you need to be talking to Paul about this. You need to be candid about your struggles. Number two, do you need to repent to God and your girlfriend regarding sexual romantic activity with her? If you messed up while dating, then lead now. If you didn't lead then, lead now. Will you do that? And what does repentance look like in your life and relationship? Let me suggest that you type in the word repentance on our website, and you will have a whole bunch of material that you can go through that will help you to walk through a repentance process. Number three, what parameters have you put into your life to keep you from engaging in sexual activity before marriage? And then number four, who is holding you accountable for these things? while bringing discipleship care and oversight <clears throat> excuse me, into your lives. All right, again, titled, A Girl Kissing a Boy is Different from a Boy Kissing a Girl. Thank you so much, and may God bless. Thanks for joining us. Learn more and get access to other resources at lifeovercoffee.com.